Father, this morning we just lift our praise to you. God, give our hearts to you. We give our lives to you. And God, we want you to be honored and enthroned on the praises that we bring to you. So Father, we ask that you be, you were honored through our worship this morning. God, I ask that as we hear your word, that you would open our hearts to hear what you have to say to us. God, we love you. We thank you for this time that we can join together as your church body. And God, we pray that you'd be honored through all that we do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be in prayer for little Tanner Kemp. Uh, he's a little bitty guy, a little baby, and he's in the hospital again with RSV. And his poor little chest, when he breathes, they got oxygen on him, is just really labored, you can tell. They've tried several times, or a couple times at least, to, to get him off the oxygen. They haven't been able to do it. So uh, he's still, it cooks. And so let's, let's pray for Tanner and for the Kemp's this morning. Father, we just pray for little Tanner today. I pray that you just lay your healing hand on him and the Lord that you will help him to recover quickly and well from this uh, recent setback that he's struggling with. Lord, we pray for Preston and April. We pray for your strength in their lives. And I pray, Father, that you will allow them to have the energy they need to have to, to take care of their other children and, and also labor with Tanner there in, in the hospital. We just lift up this little guy to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Repeat after me. The Word of God. The Spirit of God. The people of God. Now, last week I said, is all we need. And I was corrected very kindly that it's are all we need. So, repeat after me. Are all we need and we need each desperately. All right, say it now together. The Word of God. Say it together. The Word of God. We, we, we having a hard time, ain't we? Let's just, all right, just, just calm down. Follow me. I'll, you follow me, but say it with me. Does that make sense? All right, I will enunciate a little better, maybe. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, the people of God, are all we need and we need each desperately. There's no question that we need God's people in our life. We need each other desperately. Men need men. There's no question about that. Men need men. Men need a few close friends. Men need many acquaintances. Men need men. Men that don't have men involved in their life they are ripe for failure. They are ripe for backsliding. They are ripe for being overwhelmed with some sin. That's just the truth. Men need men. We're going to find out next week how valuable Nathan was to David. And God provided David a friend. Men need friends. Men today have a hard time knowing how to have friends. Men struggle with opening themselves up to someone else. Men struggle with connecting. Men ha don't have the patience they need to have to endure the valley of junk so that they can come out on the other side and be friends with each other. Men, we have a wonderful opportunity. We already, you may not be agreeing with what we're saying together, 
but hopefully the Holy Spirit's going to come together and you're going to agree with it towards the end of the year and the Lord's going to use it. But men, you need men, whether you know it or not. And if you're hesitant about being connected with other men, you need to get over it. And you need to take advantage of all the opportunities we have for men to be connected with other men. Okay? We have a men's retreat coming up January the 26th and 27th. I understand now there's only a couple of people officially signed up. And so there'll be a lot of food, but it'll be really lonely if only two show up. Okay? And we need to know how many ribs to cook, how many briskets to cook how many chickens to cook and all that kind of stuff. So men, and I, I want other men here that maybe aren't committed to going, but if you're committed to going to a retreat, January 26th and 27th, would you stand? If you're committed to going. All right. So fellas, look around. Most men here today aren't standing, but that's a pretty good group. Look around. Look around. These are the guys that are going. Most of these guys are a lot of fun. They're going to be enjoyable. And, and these are all these guys that are standing are some real good guys to get connected with. All right, now, you see them standing, and all of a sudden you decided to go. You stand now. I'm going to go and be part of that. You stand now. Uh, we'll be here all day. We'll lock the doors. At least one. One. Is no one else going? You can bring your CPAP machine. There'll be CPAP machines everywhere. There was last year. Thank you, Bruce. Glad you're going. I, Bruce, Bruce Pinker stood up. I see it right there. He had a hard time standing up, but he stood up and he's going. All right. Is there someone else is going? All right. You need each other, guys. Sign up. Go online and fill out the information so that we can get you signed up. Now, if you hadn't stood up, you need to go, guys. Just go. Come on now. Go. If, if money's a problem, we'll pay for it, all right? No big deal. We'll get her done somehow or another. Thanks, men. Thanks for coming. All right. Not only do men need men, but ladies need ladies. Ladies need ladies. Ladies, you need... Amen. Ladies need ladies. Very nice. Now, we also have a retreat coming up. It's over at Trinity Bible. Close by. Close by, right? Real close by. And it is the IF conference. IF. I don't know what that all encompasses, but I do know that from my ladies in my life, they've both gone to the IF conference, and they said their lives were really blessed by what they heard and what they experienced. Now, ladies, needing ladies. How many ladies are going to the IF conference you know? Thank you, Amy. All right, there we go. Stand up if you're going to IF conference. Lindsay Bob is back there. All right, wonderful. City's going. Thank you, Ashley. Any others going? I see you over there. Awesome. Miss Carter. The ladies' conference, real close. Jan February uh, 9th through 10th. Are you going? Right, stand up. There we go. Keep standing. How many other ladies are going to go? Patty, thank you for going. Right. Ladies need ladies. Very good. If you're going to go, stand up. Make a commitment. Now, now, ladies, these ladies have a good time. Amy is uh, borderline crazy, and she has a blast wherever she goes. Lindsay Bob is a nutcase. You can have fun with Lindsay Bob. You will go and have a good time. Very nice. Thank you, all ladies. So there are two opportunities that you can get involved, ladies with ladies and men 
with men because we need the people of God. We need each of these desperately. And so there's two opportunities uh, for you to be involved. Okay? All right. Now, there's only one way to God, but there are many ways of God. And we're learning what some of those ways are in the life of David. Now, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we have the passage of David slaying the giant Goliath. Here are some things that we need to keep in mind. God allows giants. He allows giants. He allows problems that are beyond our ability. He allows them. It says in the Bible, it says, people say it says, but it really doesn't say it. They said that God will not put on you more than you can handle. That's not true. That's not what the Bible says. In, in, in 1 Corinthians there, when that's being taught, it never has said that God, God will not put on you more than you can handle. Never says that. It says that God will not allow a temptation to overtake you, that he does not give a way out. And he's talking about temptations, not problems. God allows giants. God allows problems that you can't handle. God uses giants to accomplish his purpose. We're going to see that this giant was used to position David where he needed to be. It was used to win the people's heart, the Israelites' heart, the army's heart. And so we understand through the scriptures that God allows giants and he uses giants to accomplish his purpose. And as last week we discovered that the ways of God is that he fulfills his purpose with one event and it has lots of tentacles to it. It reaches out and it, it fulfills many purposes in the one purpose that he works in. He, God is amazing like that. God is amazing how you, we think he's only at work in this area and we may not be able to uh, see all the other areas that he's in, in work in through our one giant. The giant that you face in 2018 may be the very thing that God uses to reach someone that you know, to reach someone that you don't know. It may be that the giant that you face, someone observes that, and it's a powerful testimony, and they receive the Lord because of how you face that giant with unfettered faith, like David did, and God uses that testimony. God is always doing that. It's always reaching out to many, many people in many, many different ways, and it could very well be through your problem. So when you have a giant, rejoice, be unfettered, and move forward. God provides a way to kill the giant. God will provide a way to kill the giant. It may not be you. It may be God using somebody else. It may be a weapon that you have. It may be you're learning to believe in such a way that you move forward in faith, release to him, and you're able to slay your giant through the power of God. 
Let's see how this all works out for us today. All right. Let's talk about this old giant. In verses 1 through 11, we see that Saul and his men are paralyzed by Goliath the giant. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle, camped between Soko in Judah and Azekah and Ephesdamon. Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and Israelites face each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. It's a face-off. It's a showdown. They're separated, but they're about to see something happen. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. So that's the armor that he would wear in his upper body. Now, can you imagine wearing 125 pounds around your upper torso? This is a big, strong man. Now, the, the, the numbers in the Hebrew given for uh, what we understand to be nine foot tall could be seen as someone that is 6'6", as many think. Some others think that he might have been as tall as 6'10". To me, it don't matter. This is a big dude. He's a real big man. But we do have the translation here, nine feet tall. Maybe he looked nine feet tall to everyone as he looked across the way, but this is a big, big man. He, he wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. Now, this really does speak to how strong this guy is, I think. It says in verse 7, the shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. Man, that is a big, big, strong man. Can you imagine being able to chunk a spear with a 15-pound uh, point to it? This, this guy, is he's, he could play on Sundays. He's a big, big man. Verse 8 says, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called, I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. They were paralyzed. They were paralyzed by the giant. You've been paralyzed by a problem, paralyzed by a giant in your life can't move forward, can't think, can't respond. Now, the whole army is like this. They are so overwhelmed with fear of this giant, no one can even come close to moving out there and giving a go with this giant. They're paralyzed by it. 
What are your giants? Unbelief? Sin that controls you and it has a strong hold on you? Is it fear? Is it worry? What controls you? What's the giant that you struggle with? Is it insecurity? Is it some relationship problem? Is it a family dysfunctional matter that keeps plaguing you? Is there some giant that's in your life that you do your very best to put it behind you and you walk forward, but that giant reaches out and grabs you and pulls you right back where you were? A giant. A giant that is so overwhelming in your world, in your life, that it has paralyzed you. You can't make good choices. You don't make good choices. You don't see progress in many areas. You're just stuck in a rut because of a giant. And that's where we find Saul and the army. Goliath has got him whooped before they ever fight. He's got him whooped. Then we see old David shows up. Verse 12. Now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephrathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at that time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shemaiah, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem for 40 days. Whew. Man, that'd get old. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. Man, I mean, 40 days. Surely after 20 days, someone would step and say, I've had enough of this. I'm going to give it a go. But nope, nobody did that because they were paralyzed by the fear. One day Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back report on how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gift, as Jesse has directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israel army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Wasn't very meaningful, was it? They left for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. You reckon they did that every single day? Every single day, they said, let's go for it. Let's go do it. Let's get on with it. Maybe today's a day someone's going to be brave and is going to stick out there and, and maybe hoping against all hope, we're going to be able to defeat this giant. But it doesn't happen. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, 
came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen this giant, the men ask? He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife. And the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. Now, I may not be interested in the wife being exempted from paying taxes. I'm going to give it a go. Right? Man, would it be great? No more taxes. No more taxes. You know, at least go out there and see how I'm doing. And, and if I don't think it's going well, then retreat. At least give it a shot. At least be halfway in this thing. But there's no one willing to go for it. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway? that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God. Who is this Philistine anyway? That he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God. In other words, David says, you got to be kidding me. You're allowing this Philistine to defy God? What's wrong with you men? That's what he's throwing out there. And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. Verse 28, but when David's oldest brother Eliab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. David says, what have I done now? David replied, I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. So here you go. David shows up with fresh faith. He showed up to the war site, the battlefield, with fresh faith. Now, these soldiers and Saul have been peppered for 40 days. For 40 days, they've been beaten down, and they're absolutely at the end of their rope. David comes along with a new perspective. David comes along with a different approach. David comes along with fresh faith. Now, Eliab, the oldest brother, and we see now why Eliab stands forth in the, in the previous chapter, and, and Samuel says, this has got to be him. Eliab looks like a strong warrior. Eliab looks like he should be the king of Israel. He's not it, though. And now we see why. Eliab is like the rest of the guys. He's afraid. He's paralyzed by fear. And he's sick and tired of his little brother. And his little brother shows up and his little brother says, who is this Philistine anyway that he would defy 
the armies of the living God. You gotta be kidding me. Eliab, are you letting this take place? What in the world? Why are my brothers allowing this Philistine, this pagan Philistine, to defy our God? We gotta do something. We gotta go forward. What, what do you get if you kill this guy? I may be in this process. I'm ready to go. And Eliab says, what are you doing here? Go take care of your little sheep. He demeans David. So you got two things working here. When there's a giant, number one, fresh faith. Fresh faith. If you're paralyzed, if you're broken, if you're wore out, if you're defeated, if you don't believe that you can go another day, you can take another step, go back and get along with God and let God thrill you, instill you, reward you, energize you with fresh faith. Something else. If the Lord sends someone else alongside and they have fresh faith, don't pour cold water on them. You know what happens when we're paralyzed by fear? When we're paralyzed with depression? When we're paralyzed with can't-do spirit? When we think that all is lost and you can't go forward and there's no hope and God sends along someone to spend time with us, to speak in our lives, and they come with fresh faith? And they say, God can work. God can bring a miracle. You can make it. You can do it. And you resist them. You push them away. I mean, nobody wants any fanatical Christian people around us when we're paralyzed by fear. Right? You don't want those people around. You don't want those optimistic people. You don't want those roosters strutting around your world, you know, strutting around and speaking faith to you. You want them to understand that it's only hopeless for you. You can't move forward. You can't do it. And God has the nerve to send along someone that says, are you allowing this problem to defeat you? You've got to be kidding me. Isn't God almighty? Isn't he on his throne? Isn't he invincible? Who can defeat God? We stand up and sing these victorious songs and you're defeated? Come on. Get up, get out of the foxhole, run across that field, get on over there. Let, let Goliath know you're alive. Let your problem know that you're alive. Face it, move forward with the, with the arm of God on you. Don't fight fresh faith when you're paralyzed with a giant. Don't resist the people that God will send to you with fresh faith. Wake up and get on with it. Let's move on here. We see the story unfolding now in verse 32. Don't worry about this Philistine David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. Listen to what David says. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. 
I've done this to both lions and bears. I'll do it to this pagan. <laughs> he said, no, Saul, I'm going to whip this guy. I got it. You're worried about nothing. I've done it to lions and bears. I'm going to do it to this giant. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. That Philistine out there, he's not more powerful than a bear or a lion. Man, I've whipped them. I'll whip him too. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said. And may the Lord be with you. Now look at some of these things that's going to plan out for us here. Verse 38. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he has never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into the shepherd's bag. Then armed only with the shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy, Faced boy. Verse 43. I like this. Am I a dog, he roared at David, <laughs> that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. Get on over here. I'm going to beat you to a pulp. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock you into tomorrow. I'm just going to beat the living daylights out of you. That's what we would say. But he said, you know, I'm going to feed you to the birds. You're going to be hamburger meat after I get done with you. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. The God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Oh, I love that. He's strutting across there. And old, old Goliath says, I'm going to beat you into tomorrow. I'm going to knock the daylights out of you. I'm going to clubber you good here. And he says, no, 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 no. You come with a spear. You come with all this armor. You come being all big and mighty and all that. But I come in the name of the Lord's heaven's armies and I'm about to whip you. I'm coming in the name of the Lord. I'm not coming on my own strength. I'm coming in the strength of the Lord. That's what David says here. Today, verse 46, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. <laughs> You're going to cut off the man's head right there. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals and the whole world will know that there is one God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle. And he will give you to us. See, that's the key. That's what's missing in the Israelite army facing the giant. They thought it was their battle. And rightfully so, they weren't enough for Goliath. But David shows up understanding it's not his battle. It's not his to fight. 
It's not his to win. He is serving the Lord. His faith, his fresh, fresh faith said, this is the battle of the Lord. And that's how he's moving forward. As Goliath moved closer, attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching in his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled, fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. That's what David did. He didn't have a spear. He didn't have a, a lot of armor on. He had a sling and five smooth stones. And he slung that stone and hit him right back in the forehead. And he dropped down dead. Now, the rest of the story is this. It energizes Saul's army and they rise in victory and they defeat the Philistines. And David is God's instrument and God fulfills his purpose with the giant Goliath by establishing David where he needs to be. Now, Here's what we see in David, and this is how David defeats the giant. He recognized it was the Lord's battle. You've got to do that. If you're facing a giant, and that giant has worn you down, and you're paralyzed, you've got to recognize it's the Lord's battle, it's not yours. You gotta recognize your greatest weapon is prayer because it's the Lord's battle and not yours. Don't pick up the spear. Don't pick up a sword. Don't march out there against that giant till you have literally wore your knees out because your power is through the Lord, not through your own strength. So until you recognize it's the Lord's battle, you just wait until you're ready for that giant. Recognize it's the Lord's battle, not yours. When you do move forward, move forward unfettered. That means without chains on you. Unfettered allowed David to move forward regardless of public opinion, regardless of his brother's ideas about him. He just wasn't held back by peer pressure. He wasn't held back by what people thought. I mean, only one guy was absolutely unconcerned with what people thought. He wasn't even concerned with what Saul thought. Saul thought he was a crazy man to go up there and say he could beat Goliath. He wasn't even concerned what the king thought. He was unfettered. I love that word unfettered. It means you don't, you're not chained down. You're not, you're not held back by fear. You're not controlled by worry. You're not, you're not messed up by what people think. You just believe God and just go forward. Move forward with fresh faith, unfettered. He didn't go forward with all that armor on because it would bound him down. He couldn't move. He couldn't jab. He couldn't dodge. He wanted to go light. He wanted to go unfeathered. And he had what he was good at. You know, all day long, there's no cans out there. There's rocks and trees, and he would just practice with that sling, and he got really good with it. I bet he could just 
just when a, when a coyote or a wolf or something would come around, or a bear or a lion, he'd probably got that sling going and pop pop right in the head. He'd done, done it before. And so he just takes what he's good at, he puts it in the Lord's hands, and he moves forward, unfettered, to defeat the giant. Unfettered. You know, we saw that Monday night. We saw a David Goliath-like story Monday night. Man, I was so excited Georgia was going to beat Alabama. <laughs> I was so excited. I get home from a Monday night group and the second half's about to start, and I go, man, yeah, let's go Georgia. Never rooted for Georgia before in my life, but I was rooting for them that night. I've rooted against Alabama a lot, though. And here we go. And all of a sudden... The announcer says, they're putting a freshman in, a quarterback. Boy, you know, they're putting a freshman in. They've taken their quarterback out, and they put a freshman in. And the, and the commentators are going, giving all these reasons why, wow, what a gamble Saban has taken here. And it gets my attention. Well, obviously, he's, this, this freshman's got something that they need to win the game. They're down, what, 10 points or so? And it doesn't take very long for you to realize that freshman is a player. He's a Hawaiian. How did he get out of Hawaii and get to Alabama? He, passed, he jumped right over Texas and went to Alabama. How did he get out there? He's a long way from Hawaii. You know, why did he go to USC or San Diego or somewhere? He was out there in Alabama. And you got to watch. He threw an interception. He got, he got sacked and he made some poor choices. But... When they would zoom in on his eyes, I went, uh-oh, he's a player. This ain't, this ain't eating his lunch. He's not been out of shape about this. He's good to go. He's unfettered. And I get really excited because I know I'm going to speak about David today and talk about how unfettered he was. And, and, and I'm seeing it happen right before my very eyes. This boy's legit. And of course, then the other side of me says, oh no, they've got a quarterback for four years. They're going to win a national championship every year. This, I mean, he's good. He's, he's, he's better than the other guy. He's not as big as the other guy, but he's better. He's already better. He's been sitting on that bench all year long. He's been taking care of sheep and goats all year long. And he just shows up to the big game. He didn't think he was going to play. There was rumors that he was going to try to transfer to get out of there where he can go somewhere and play. And I'm thinking, I know a good place where that young man can come play. I'll make him a tuna fish sandwich once a week and mail it on down to him. And he just... You know, he gets sacked in that, in, in that overtime deal and the camera goes right in his eyes and it's just like, I'm going, there's no, there's no worry. He's got ice in his veins. And sure enough, he threw a strike, won the game for him. It was a David-like thing. There was a giant it was, it was Georgia's defense, really good. It was being behind. It was the national stage. It was all this pressure that should be on this young man, and it wasn't there. And we find out at the end of the game why. 
And he starts to give his little interview, and he said, let me stop right there, and let me get right on down to it. That's my words, not his. Let me get to it. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I give all glory to God. And he went in there and did it. Now, how that translates is, he was able to be unfettered because his life is in the Lord's hands. And that's the only explanation how a freshman can go in a ball game like that and is not nervous so bad that his balls look like pigeons flying in the, in the wind. And it looked like he had been there all year long. Listen, when David walked across the valley of Elah with his five stones and his sling. It looked like he'd done that before because it was the Lord's battle. And he believed in the Lord's battle. What giant are you facing on your own? Stop today and recognize it's the Lord's battle. What weapons are you picking up every day trying to do your best to defeat that giant in your life, but every single day you get back down, you get whooped back? Pick up the right weapons. Faith, prayer, love, forgiveness, grace, joy, obedience to the Lord. And move forward doing what the Lord has instructed you to do with unfettered, fresh faith. God allows giants. God uses giants to accomplish His purpose. God will provide a way to kill the giant. Let's see what the Lord does. Father, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for your spirit. We're grateful for your people. May we, unfettered with fresh faith, follow your voice, follow your instruction, and do what you say to do, and be what you say for us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come forward.